You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Well, we're in a season right now of generosity and gratitude, and we're also in a series called Even Greater. Uh, And this series that we're in is culminating uh, on December 13th, next week, when we have an opportunity as a church to exercise and show generosity and gratitude by bringing the biggest offering we've ever brought to God in our year-end offering. And so next week, December 13th, we have the chance to exercise generosity and gratitude by, by saying, God, thank you so much for what you've done in my life this past year in 2015. I'm just so grateful for how you've shown up, for how you've helped me, for what you've done in my life. And so I'm going to bring you an offering to show my gratitude as I look ahead to next year, as I look ahead to 2016, because I believe that you're going to do even greater things in my life in 2016. 2016. And so to prepare us for next week, to prepare us for December 13th, I want to talk to you today from the title, Enough Already. Uh, Enough Already. That's the title for my sermon. If you would take a moment to kindly write that down at the top of your program in the notes section with the pen that we provide you each and every week, the same pen that you steal. Uh, No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We, and we, we give you that pen so you can use it as a tool to, to bring people. So that when you're at the restaurant or wherever it is, you can leave it, steal her pen, and give her yours, and um, the waitress. Um, but, but use it as a tool to, to, to bring people. Uh, but also we give you a program and a pen so that you could take notes because we want to have an expectant attitude. Because don't you know that what we take time to, to get down on paper has a better chance of getting down in our soul as well? Because not only do you just hear the word, but now you got to take time to write it down so it has a better opportunity of, of sticking with you. And so I want to encourage you today to take notes. If you would write my title down, Enough Already. Enough Already. Uh, in 1915, uh, the Cumberland College baseball team, which was fortified with professional baseball players, took on the Georgia Tech baseball team, and they crushed them. Uh, they beat them in a game where the score was 22 to 0. That's a That's a lopsided score in baseball. Uh, And John Heisman, the same man whom the Heisman Trophy is named after, uh, was the football coach of Georgia Tech at the time. And he was so embarrassed at the devastating loss that his school suffered at the hands of Cumberland College that he vowed the next year to get revenge on them in football. And so in 1916, John Heisman's football team took on Cumberland College's ragtag, thrown-together football team, and they crushed them in a game where the score was 222 to zero. Somebody say, that's excessive. <laughs> and some people, some people get mad when the Patriots run up the score. But, um, but he, he, see, the, the thing is, and there's some interesting things about that game too. Georgia Tech, when they won, they didn't call a single pass play. Every play they had was a running play, and so they ran for 222 points. And then at the end of the first half, uh, both teams decided to call it quits at the end of the third quarter. They just said, we're not even going to finish the game. The score was so lopsided. Really, what happened was Cumberland College was saying, enough already. Uh, Enough already. You've proven your point. See, Georgia Tech was facing a challenge. They were humiliated the year before in baseball, and then they had a challenge to get revenge 
on Cumberland College. And not only did they rise to the occasion, but they far exceeded the challenge in front of them. Next week, you and I have a challenge that's facing us. We have an opportunity to bring God the biggest offering we've ever brought in our life. We have a chance to say, God, I'm so grateful that that you've blessed me the way that you have, that, that you've done some good in my life. I just want to show you with this offering. We have an opportunity to rise above the challenge and far exceed it. And, and, and here's why we're receiving this offering next week. Uh, because we're a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. That's why we exist. We're not a church that cares about money, but we're a church that cares about people. But here's what we know, that it takes money to reach people. And because it takes money to reach people, and we're a church designed to see people far from God raise a true life, we're receiving this offering. I hope nobody would ever say that about our church. Oh, they just care about money. We don't. I hope instead you would say, that's a church that really cares about people, and they will stop at nothing to see people far from God raise a true life. Here's, here's what I heard. I heard a pastor say one time that a church with no vision will ask for no money. A church with no vision will ask for no money. We have a great vision because there are people in this city who still need hope. There are people in your family who still need to know that God loves them. There are still people that you work with who need to know that they have a greater purpose and destiny in life than what they're living for. And so for us as a church, we've just said that's unacceptable. And as long as there are people who are far from God who need to be raised to true life, then we will stop at nothing, even bringing a sacrifice, even exercising generosity till it hurts us so that we can reach them. That's what we're about. And so this is why we're bringing it, because we believe that God wants to do even greater things in the lives of people who don't, know yet, who don't know him yet. We're also bringing this offering next week because we believe that God wants to do even greater things in our midst as a church in 2016. And this offering is setting us up to be prepared for that. But we're also bringing this offering because I believe that God wants to do even greater things in your life as an individual. What, what we discovered last week is that um, we bring the tithe back to God. The tithe is the first 10% of our income, and we bring it back to God. What we found is that we have two options when it comes to returning the first 10% of our income back to God. We can either return it to Him because it belongs to Him, or we can steal it. Those are your two options. You either return it to God, or you steal it because He said it's mine. If you don't give somebody what's theirs, you stole it. So we bring the tithe, but then we also discovered that when we give an offering to God, that Jesus said that not only will God bless you and pour out so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it because of the tithe. He said, but when you give, I'll come along and I'll press it down and I'll shake it together so there's so much room I could pour out more that it'll overflow. And we don't give to get. The, the blessings I'm talking about are always financial. It's not if I give God a dollar, he'll give me 10. That's, that's, that's not how it works. Sometimes the blessings are financial. I've, I've heard stories of people who got a promotion, people who got a raise, people who got more clientele when, once they started tithing. But sometimes the blessing is just peace. Sometimes the blessing is just God is changing your heart to see your money a different way. And so we're receiving this offering next week because I believe that God wants to do even greater things in your life as you exercise generosity. And, and, and I don't know if you're like this or not, uh, but I'm the kind of person who I want to exceed expectations. I, I don't want to just meet expectations, but I want to exceed expectations. And, and, and we want people to live this way, right? 
Like, I want my staff to exceed expectations. I don't want you to just do what I asked you to do. I want you to go above and beyond. Uh, your boss wants you to exceed expectations. Uh, your, your wife wants you to exceed expectations. You want your kids to exceed expectations. And, and the, the reason why we want to exceed expectations is because there's also a, re a reward tied to exceeding expectations. If you constantly and consistently exceed expectations at your job, you're rewarded with that with a raise, with a promotion, right? When we exceed expectations, there's a reward there. When you exceed expectations with your wife, there's a reward there. Reward. You say, honey, do I get a reward today? We, we want to exceed expectations. Next week, we're faced with a challenge. We're faced with a challenge, and I don't want us to just meet expectations. I want us to exceed it. I, I don't want us to just say, here's a little bit of generosity, but for us to say, God, here's some extravagant generosity because I'm extravagantly grateful for what you've done in my life. And so we have an opportunity next week to exceed expectations. I want to I talk to you today about a time in history, the only time in history that I know of where expectations when it came to generosity were exceeded. Uh, and so if you have a Bible, would you open up to Exodus chapter 25? And we're going to start in verse 1. It's Exodus chapter 25, starting in verse 1. This is the only time in history that I know of where people far exceeded the expectation and the vision of God because of their generosity. Now, I, I want to give you a little bit of uh, background on this so, so you understand what we're about to read. Uh, this this event centers around the Israelites. Now, the Israelites were a slave people. They were enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt, and around 1446 BC, God delivered the, the Israelites from Egyptian capti captivity. He, he freed them from that. And so these people who were once a slave people are now free. These people who were once not a people are now a people. This nation that was not a nation is now a nation. And God came to them and he said, I've set you free from slavery. I've given you freedom and I will come and be your God. I'm giving you a new identity. And what God did with Israel, God says to each and every one of us, God saw your life. And he's come to you and he said, listen, you don't have to be a slave in your sin anymore. But because of the power of the cross of my son Jesus, I've redeemed you. Because of my grace and my mercy, I've redeemed you. You used to be a nameless, faceless person trapped in the manacles of mediocrity. But I've come to set you free and give you life. You don't have to live that way anymore. I will be your God. I've given you a new identity. You don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be shackled. You don't have to keep living the way that you're living, experiencing what you're experiencing, because God has come and said, I've set you free. Now live in the freedom that I provide for you. And so when we read about Israel, we're reading about ourselves. What's true for Israel is true for us. And so Israel has been set free from Egyptian captivity, and God comes to them through Moses, and he says, hey, I want to do even greater things in your midst. Uh, I want to do even greater things in what you're experiencing. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a tabernacle for me. Now, a tabernacle was a tent that they would set up and tear down. And he said, listen, I'm with you all the time. God is always with us. God isn't just at church, but he's always with us. But he said, when you set up that tabernacle, that'll serve as a reminder that I'm with you. I want to do even greater things in your life. Th this is why we come to church on Sunday. 
When you come to church on Sunday, it's a reminder that God is with you. I mean, God isn't just here on Sunday, but he's with you throughout the week. And so Sunday morning is an ejection of the reminder of the presence of God. God said, I want to do even greater things in your midst to the Israelites, so I want you to build a tabernacle. But in order to build a tabernacle, it's going to take some resources. This is where Exodus 25, verse 1 picks up. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Tell them to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. You're going to see this theme over and over throughout the passages we're going to read. Everyone whose heart prompts them to give, tell them to bring me an offering. These are the offerings you're to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and another durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. And so God tells Moses, I want you to go to the Israelites and tell them, bring me an offering. Now, an offering is different from the tithe. Again, the tithe is the first 10% of our income that we bring to him whether we want to or not because it's his in the first place. But he says, above and beyond that, I want you to tell him to bring an offering and everyone whose heart is willing. See, when we bring an offering to God, it's not a have to, but it's a get to. We should get excited about it. And, and if, if when you hear us talking about receiving this offering next week, if there's something in you and you're like, I don't really, and you're crossing your arms, and you, there's a heart issue there. There's something in your heart, right? Because God says, everybody who's willing, everybody who's grateful, tell them, bring an offering to me. See, what God had done six months previous was he set them free from captivity, he said, he said, anybody who's grateful, tell them to bring an offering to me. I mean, I set them free from, from bondage, from hundreds of years of slavery. They're now free. I provided them food every single day in the desert. I've provided water from a rock. Everybody who's grateful, you don't have to, but if you're grateful, go ahead and bring me an offering. And so if I've been good in your life, go ahead and bring me an offering. If I've done anything great in your life, go ahead and bring me an offering. If, if you're grateful at all, if you want to exercise some gratitude, then bring me an offering. No pressure, though. You don't have to. Right? I mean, this is what God, everybody who's willing. And if you're a Christian this morning, I hope you're grateful. I hope you're grateful because you've experienced the grace of God in a way that has redeemed you, has transformed you, and has changed you. So next week, every single person in our church is bringing an offering to God because we don't have to, but we get to. It's out of gratitude that we do it. That's our motivation. Not because I have to. But God, I'll get to. Thank you so much for this chance, for this opportunity to show you how grateful I am. He said, everybody who's willing, tell them, bring an offering to me. And then God goes into great detail uh, to explain what he's going to do with the offering. He spends about 10 chapters talking about, here's what the tabernacle is going to be, and here's how you build it. And I've already talked to you about what we're doing with this offering next week, even greater. Uh, what we're doing is we're using this to reach more people. Because there are people in the city, people in your life who don't know God, and we're using this to reach out to them to say, we have the answer you've been looking for that you don't even know you need. And so this is what we're using it for. So God goes into uh, great detail about the tabernacle and what this offering is for. And then Moses addresses the community about this. So, so here's what happens. God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to tell the people to bring an offering to me. 
Moses goes to the people and says, here's what God said. Can I just tell you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. 2,000 years ago in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, uh, go out into all the nations, baptizing people, making disciples for me. Jesus has, has given us marching orders to reach out to people who are far from him so that they could be raised to true life. And so I just want to come to you uh, in, in the form of Moses. I'm not Moses, but just to say, hey, here's what God has said. And now here's our call to action. So Moses goes to the Israelites in Exodus 35, verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, from what you have, not from what you don't have, but from what you have. Don't go into debt for this. I know you went into debt to get some people some Christmas presents, but not for this. From what you have, he says, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, purple, blue, scarlet yarn, and then he goes on to, rest, uh, to list all the other things um, that we read earlier. But, but Moses goes to them, and, and he gives them advance notice. He prepares them for this offering, and he says, from what you have, bring an offering to God. Uh, on November 22nd, uh, I stood up in front of you, and I gave you notice. I said, hey, on December 13th, we're going to be receiving this even greater offering for God. And so that's what we're building to in this season of generosity and gratitude. And so I gave you advance notice, but I started thinking uh, maybe um, about a month is not enough notice. Maybe people need more notice. Um, so I want to go ahead and give you notice now that next year we're doing another year in offering. And then the year after that, we're doing a year in offering. And then a year after that, and here's why, because we just want to create a culture of generosity in our church. We want to be the kind of church that lives with open hands because we believe that when we take it to the next level, to the next step of generosity, that God is going to show us even greater things. And so you got a whole year now to start planning for next year. But, but he goes to them and he gives them advance notice so they can prepare for it. And he says, anyone who's willing, go ahead and bring an offering. And, and, and notice, too, that he says, bring an offering to the Lord. Bring an offering to the Lord. Next week, when we bring our offering, you're not bringing it to me. I'm not using this for my kid's college fund, right? You're not even bringing it to the church. I mean, physically, you're bringing it to the church. But, but you're not even giving it to the church, but you're giving it to God. Again, it's a response of our gratitude for all that he has done in our life. This is who we're giving it to. So next week, when you bring your offering, it's going from your hands, and it's like it's going into God's hands. And you're saying, God, thank you so much for everything you've done in my life. I just want to show you how grateful I am. And we get to. Later this month, you're going to give presents to some people you don't even like because you feel obligated. Well, I got to get them a present. I'll get them a crock pot. But we get to bring God an offering next week to say, God, thank you so much for all you've done. So he prepares them to bring it, and he lets them know. And then Exodus 35, verse 20, then the whole uh, Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. So they heard what he said, and then they said, all right, let me go see what we got. So they all left. They took what he said seriously. They went, and they said, well, what can we give God? What can we bring God in this offering? So they go, and they look what they have. Everyone who was willing... And whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord. For the work of the tent of meeting 
for its service and the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches and earrings, rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins dyed red, or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. And watch this. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. Here's, here's what I find fascinating about what we just read. It said that they went, they withdrew, they said, what do we have? Okay, here's what we have. Here's what we can bring to God from our gratitude and to increase generosity in us. And so let's bring it to God. And in verse 23, it said that uh, the women or, or, or everybody who brought, uh, who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen, they brought it. Everybody who had it brought it. But then in verse 25, it said, every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen. But wait, they just brought that. Evidently, when they brought the linen, they didn't have enough. And so the women said, well, I can make some. And so they got creative on how they could bring even more to God. So they didn't just look and say, what do we have? But they got creative and said, how can we make more to give to God? Not just from what I have, but what can I create for the increase? Last year, we did a Beyond offering. It's the same end of year offering, and we called it Beyond. Um, we were four months old as a church. We brought in just under $8,000 for that, and I thought that was good. Um, especially a church just four months old. People who were checking us out, trying to figure us out. And um, I remember this one guy, he said, um, hey, I make leotards on the side, and I'm going to make as many leotards as I can and sell them uh, so that I can bring it for the Beyond Offering. Uh, I, heard, I heard about one guy this, this year for this offering. Uh, their family is giving, but I heard that he sold a gun, too, so that he could, and that was tough for him, so that he could get more money to bring for the even greater offering. I want to ask you, next week when we bring an offering to God, not, not just... What do you have and what can you bring? But how can you get creative? Do you need to create something and sell it and then bring that as well? Maybe, maybe for some of you, you just got to clear out your house. It's cluttered anyway. And so you clear out your house, you put it on Craigslist, and you, and you bring it to God and say, God, th this is for you. For, for some of you, uh, maybe it, it's taking an account that you have sitting aside, like it's your truck account. Saving up for a new truck. And you say, God, I'm going to sacrifice my truck account for this offering. Maybe you got an Xbox One account. I'm saving up to get me an Xbox One for Christmas. I can't wait. And you say, God, I'm going to give you that account. I'm going to empty it out and bring it all to you just to show how grateful. What, what can you, not only what can you bring, but how can you get creative to bring even more? They, they said, let's, let's make more. And so they brought what they had. And then verse 26, it says this, all the women who were willing... And had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil for the fragrant offerings. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. 
they looked at it and they said, man, it's such a great opportunity. We get to be a part of such a great movement that we get to give and we don't have to give. They, they were willing. And then Exodus 36, verse 2, I love this. It says, then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab. That's a great name if you're uh, having a baby. Little Aholiab. Not many Aholiabs around right now, but you can change that. He summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing, again, over and over again. It, it, it's a willing thing. God, thank you so much for what you're doing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So they didn't stop at it, but they kept bringing it. And watch this. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing. And so they're doing work on the tabernacle, and, and, and there's a problem. There's such a big problem that they say, we got to stop what we're doing. And they go to Moses. And they said, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. These people were so generous that Moses stood up in front of them and he said, enough already. Please stop giving. We, we, we don't know what to do with all of it. Thank you, but wow. Can you please stop giving? What if next week? This won't happen. But what if next week I had to stand up in front of you? It won't happen not because you won't exceed the challenge, but bring it. But what if next week I had to stand up in front of you as we bring our offering in two buckets that are going to be here, and it just started overflowing, and the band is playing, and I just had to say, Jake, cut the music. Listen, listen. Can you guys please stop giving? Can, can you please stop? Because we have more than enough. We don't know what to do with it all. I mean, we thought, you know, this was going to happen and this would be really great. But oh my God, well, imagine what we could do with this. What if I had to stand in front of us and say, enough already. Please stop. Like, I got concerned about your future finances. And are, are they going to be okay? <laughs> They've given more than enough. It's the only time in recorded history that I know of that people far exceeded the vision of God through their generosity where Moses had to stand up in front of them and say, enough already. Please stop giving. You know, I, I introduced the even greater offering on November 22nd with a sermon entitled Heart for the House. And I talked about what it meant to have a heart for this house. And my, con, uh, my text came from 1 Chronicles 22.5, which says that the house of God should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. That God's plan has always been to make his name famous through his house. And so this house should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the city of Norfolk, in the state of Virginia, in this country, and more importantly, in the lives of the people that you know who need to know Jesus. And I just asked the question, what if on December 13th, 1 Chronicles 22.5, the house of God should be of great magnificence, fame, and splendor in the sight of all the nations. What if, in light of that, on December 13th, 1 Chronicles 22.5, 2.25, what if 
every adult in our church brought $225 as an offering to God. Our, our kids' ministry is actually challenging uh, the kids to collectively bring $225 on that day. And I said, what if every single adult in our church brought $225 that day? We average about 150 adults, uh, so that would be an even greater offering of $33,750. That seems like a lot, but I think it's realistic. I think we can do it. I, I, I think, I believe, and, and this is what I said on the 22nd, that there are some people who $225 wouldn't even be a sacrifice for you because you spent more than $225 on one Christmas present. <laughs> I said, for some people, $225, you wouldn't even feel it. And God is calling you to an even greater level of generosity, to extravagant generosity. And I said that for some people, I believe that you can add a zero to it. And on December 13th, I believe that there's a lot of people who can bring $2,250. And I shared with you that this is what my wife and I are bringing. It's a sacrifice for us. And, and I share that not to brag, not to say, look at how great we are, but I share that to lead the way. So you know your pastor is doing what he's asking you to do. And so this is the sacrifice we're going to bring. I wish you could bring more. But then I said that maybe for some people, $2,250 wouldn't be a sacrifice, and you could add another zero to it. And I believe that there might be one, maybe two people, or maybe you know somebody who could bring $22,500 next week. There's nothing special or magical about 225, but I just wanted to give you something to aim for and, and, and to think about. And so you can, you can bring more than that. You can bring three. You can bring four. You can bring eight million. I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean, but I wanted to give you something to aim for. And if you say, well, Pastor, 225 really is beyond anything I could do. I mean, I... I that a sacrifice would be less than that. That's okay. Just get with God and ask him, what is a sacrifice? What's something that's going to hurt so I feel it? So I got to get outside my comfort zone to express even greater generosity to you. So I said, well, if everybody in our church, every adult brought $225, that'd be an even greater offering of $33,750. But again, I just think we can meet that. I think it's realistic. Like, I think if God didn't do anything in our heart or didn't show up, we could just do it as people, right? But I don't think God has called us to meet an expectation. I think he's called us to exceed it. I, I think God wants to do even greater things in our midst, and he's going to test whether or not he's going to be able to based on the trust and the faith we have in him to say, God, I'm going to bring even greater of an offering than I thought I was going to bring. I wonder for you, what can you bring? God, in light of everything you've done in my life, here's how grateful I am. I want to tell you about two, two times recently where I've seen extravagant generosity take place. Um, when we were starting the church, uh, we were doing, we were raising money because um, it takes money to, to lead a church, to have a church go. All this costs money, right? Um, and I remember Pastor Dallas Stanford came up to me. Uh, and, and Pastor Dallas leads uh, Penn Ministry. Penn Ministry um, is an organization that helps the homeless in Virginia Beach and, and, and really all over. But they're also a church uh, that's made up mostly of homeless people. Uh, not, not all homeless people, but mostly of homeless people. And, and this is a church that, that really helps uh, people who are homeless. And he said, uh, as a church, we receive an offering every week. 
And we've decided as a church that we're just going to give 100% of that away to an organization, to a nonprofit, to a missionary that's making a difference. And so we've heard about what you're doing in downtown Norfolk. We believe so much in it that we want to partner with you and we want to give the rising 100% of our offering. And this blew me away. Extravagant generosity from a church that ministers mostly to homeless people. The people who many of us would say, well, we need to help them. They said, no, 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 we want to help you. Blew me away that they would exercise that kind of faith and generosity to believe in what we're doing here to say, we want to give you 100% of our offering. And a lot of those uh, men and women are here today, and I want to say thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you. It's because of your sacrifice. It's because of your sacrifice that we've seen 56 people get baptized in this church. It's because of your sacrifice, because of your generosity for people you didn't even know that you've made a difference in the lives of the people sitting around here. And so I want to thank you. Thank you for living beyond yourselves, for sacrificing. There's another time that I heard about extravagant generosity from my friend and church planning coach, Pastor Carl Cool, who leads Mosaic Christian Church up in Maryland. And um, they just started a second campus this past September. Today, they're baptizing their eighth person, and it's been three months. Uh, they average about 300 people in the second campus. And I remember last year, they were doing a, a campaign um, similar to this, where they were asking their church, a church of about 1,000 people, to bring an offering of $750,000. That was their goal for the campus, $750,000. But on the day that people brought their offering, they didn't bring in $750,000. They didn't meet the goal. They brought in $1.4 million to launch that campus. They far exceeded it almost by double. Because they believed, y'all, they believed. God wanted to do even greater things in their midst. They knew there were people who still needed to know Jesus. And they said, I'll sacrifice to make it happen. Now, they had two very generous donors that factored into that equation. They also put a lot of work into it, and so it wasn't easy. But I just believe that next week, we can not only meet 33,750 but if you'll allow him to, God will do something in your heart. He'll start stirring you to say, come, come, come to even greater levels of generosity. Come to even higher levels of gratitude. And I believe that we can far exceed that goal. Can we bring it? Can we bring it? We can't do it with just three people, though. We can't do it with just three people. Listen, we're not playing games here. This is not some cute thing that we get to do when we come to church and say, well, that was really nice. We're on a mission. We're changing people's eternities. We're changing people's lives here. So I wonder, can we bring it next week? So next week we have that opportunity. Hey, I want to close with this. Um, I, want to, I want to share something with you. Um, Matt. I was, I was thinking about this offering that the Israelites brought, right? And, and I was wondering, Matt, I said, I said, where did they get it from? You know what I mean? Like they were slaves for 100 years in Egypt. 
And I'm thinking, slaves don't have anything. Where'd they get it from? And, and now they're in the desert, and they've been in the desert for about six months, so there's no resources in the desert. So where, where did they get the gold? Where did they get the silver? Where did they get it all from? And then my mind went to Exodus 11. It, it's also recorded in Exodus 3, but look at Exodus chapter 11. In Exodus chapter 11, starting in verse 1, here's what happens. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people, the men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So, so the next day, this plague takes place, and Pharaoh says, get out of here. And here's what the Israelites do. Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. Before Israel left Egypt, God provided them with everything they needed for the tabernacle. Six months ago, he provided them with all the resources, all the supply they needed for the tabernacle he was going to ask them to build. God had already provided them for his purposes. I wonder if some of the Israelites thought, oh man, this is so awesome. I'm getting this gold, I'm getting this silver, and it's for me. God knew what he was doing when he gave them all those resources. Because he knew that six months later, he was going to ask them to bring it to bring it because he wanted to do, to do even greater things in their midst. And I wonder if the reason why the Israelites brought so much is because they realized that everything they had wasn't theirs in the first place. I wonder if the reason why they brought that gold and that silver and those clothes is because they realized I was a slave in bondage and I had nothing but God, but God provided. I wonder if they brought so much because they said, God, I'm just bringing you what's yours in the first place. Can I ask you to adopt that mindset when it comes to what you have? Would you just remind yourself that everything we have is God's in the first place, that God provided it, not just so we could build our kingdom, but so that we could build his kingdom. Listen, we're not a church that cares about money, but we care about people, and we got a great vision. And that's why we're going to bring it next week. That's why we're bringing it next week. In a moment, we're going to remind ourselves of how great God is and how he's provided for us by observing communion. While members on our VIP team come down, they're going to pass out trays with stacks of cups. The bottom cup has some bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. The top cup has some juice that represents his blood that was shed for you on the cross. We're going to remind ourselves today how generous God was to us, that he gave his first and his best, his one and only son, so that we could be redeemed and saved. Let's bring it next week, y'all. Let's bring it next week. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for how you've redeemed us, how you've changed us, how you've given us life.
And we believe that you want to do that in the lives of the people who are far from you, who don't even know you right now. And so in faith, expressing itself in generosity and gratitude this season, we're going to bring you the biggest offering we've ever brought to you in our life. And I pray that it scares us. I pray that it stretches us. Because we're coming to you saying we need you to do something great in our life, even greater. Prepare our hearts as we bring to you next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.